after Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days, inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda. Five covered porches, crowds of sick people, shout sick people, blind and lame and paralyzed, laid on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Shout 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, do you, do you like to get, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I've no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up. Everybody shout, stand up. You're looking at it in the Greek. It's really rise, rise up. That's what it says. Pick up your mat and what? Lord, will you just meet us in a supernatural way here today? I, I, I want us all, including myself, to leave here a little different than we were when we arrived. Would you do that? Speak to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that all of you have watched your TVs and with great sadness have witnessed the horrible shooting and killing that took place in Christ Church, uh, New Zealand. And it's not lost on me that the third largest city in New Zealand is, is, New Zealand is named Christchurch, where this happened. I'm sure you know that in two mosques, as people were worshiping, uh, it's now 50 people, kids and older people and adults and people's spouses and so forth, was just gunned down. And you know also that... The young man who did it identifies himself as a part of the white nationalism and uh, has this kind of hatred for people across race and immigration and all these kinds of things. Shout hatred. And so while I think about that, I know it's on your minds, while I grieve with the Muslim community in this time of great loss, I'm reminded by what Dr. King says, only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. And that shooting reminds us about how darkness and evil is real and growing around. And yet when I look out at y'all, this grand and beautiful diversity, look at, just look at all of your faces, I see the stars. I see God's plan as he is shaping it here at New Beginnings and, and in Christians all across the Bay and across the world that God is calling us to respond by rising up. Somebody shout rise up. Rising up and being instruments of love and being lights against all that hatred. Tell a person next to you, you can be a light for Jesus. So today I want to talk about one practical way that we can rise up in a very powerful way. We don't have to put our heads down. We don't have to say there's nothing that we can do. There's absolutely something we can do beginning here in this community. Uh, and it is captured by the word service. Everybody shout serve. All right, here's how I want to get to it. You'll remember the scripture. We said it we repeatedly during our humble series, uh, Philippians 2 and uh, 3 and 4. 
Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others. Shout, thinking of others. That's better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And we summarized that again and again over the weeks. You'll recall we said this does not mean uh, uh, to think of yourself less, but it means to think It doesn't mean think less of yourself, but it means to think of yourself what? And by implication, think of others, think of others more. And so here's the insight here. Humility positions our heart to be used by God, and it is hunger, everybody shout hunger, that turns us from thinking about people to doing for people. Hunger leads to action. Tell the person next to you, hunger leads to action. And how many of you at work, uh, suddenly you were hit by a a pain of hunger and you disrupted everything and said, I got to find a McDonald's somewhere. I I, got to go somewhere. Hunger leads to action. So I want to, there's three quick points I want to just work through here. First thing uh, I want to point out is that serving is central to what it means to be a Jesus follower. Now, let me just work through the text. Let's start with Revelation, the very end, the last book in the Bible. There's this wonderful scene in heaven. Countless numbers of people are worshiping and praising. And then chapter 7, verse 14, here it comes, the, the question comes. And he said to him, sir... You are the ones know because the question was, who are these? Everybody shout, who are these? And then he answered. Then he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulations. They have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. I'm I'm, I'm included in this number, y'all. And made them white. Come on, next. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and what? serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will give them shelter and so the chief paradigm for what we're going to be doing when we get into heaven is captured by the word serving and then back up through scriptures go to psalms you've heard me i've taught this before but i just want to walk it through psalms 23 4 look at how david says god serves us even when i walk through the darkest valley i will not fear for you are close beside me here watch him serve now your rod and your staff protect and comfort me shout service you prepare a feast for me look at god in the presence of my enemies you honor me by anointing my head with all shout service service then go to isaiah chapter 53 It was written a thousand years before Jesus came, and yet the Jewish disciples on the other side of Jesus' resurrection looked back and said, wow, the prophet was talking about Jesus. And listen for service in this text. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But, shout but. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Come on now, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow on. Yet the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. Shall service. That's how God serves us. 
If you have any question about it, then you just end up at Mark 10 and listen to Jesus talk himself. He says, when it comes to how you use power, don't act like folk in the world around you. He says, among you, you're going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your Whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave of everyone else. Then he goes on to say, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Can you say service? So here's the point I'm making. You want to become a better Christian? You want to grow in your capacity to have greater faith? Do you want to get closer to the heart of Jesus? What the scripture repeats again and again and again is for us to look at our lives and look at the level of service that's in our lives and figure out how to take it to the next level. I'd argue that it's impossible to be a fully faithful follower of Jesus if you're focused simply on being served and not serving. Now, second point I want to make. Because I know we say, well, we just want to, I'm just trying to serve God. Well, here's the second point. We serve God by serving others. Now, and that's about relationships. Now, Jesus was asked repeatedly again and again and again, what's the most important commandment in the Bible? He would always say the same thing. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, Strength and soul, and your what? Your neighbor as yourself. Well, this subject came up in Luke chapter 10. A fellow walked up to him. He was an expert in the religious law. Here's how the conversation went. The expert stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, well, what does Moses say? How do you read it? How do you understand it? And he quickly answered it. He says, well, Moses said, you should love the Lord thy God with all your heart and mind soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you're right. Why are you talking to me? You got it. Go do it and live. The guy still doesn't want to let Jesus off the hook. So he comes back, he leans back in. He says, well, who is my neighbor? He was asking for a philosophical debate. Jesus took advantage of that to teach something about both service and the neighbor. And you'll recall, he tells us this remarkable story about a Jewish person who leaves Jerusalem, goes down the Jericho Road, a horrible road. Uh, uh, Thieves jump on him. They strip him. They beat him. They rob him. They leave him half dead. The priests and Levite Jewish officials come by. They pass by. They're afraid. They don't do anything with him. But then verse 33, watch verse 33. Verse 33 says... Then a, everybody shout, the spies, a despised Samaritan. Now what he's saying is, in the, Jewish, in, the, in the Jewish context of Jesus' day, Samaritans were despised. And what Jesus is about to point out here, watch this, is that sometimes people who, quote unquote, don't know God, do a whole lot better serving and loving than those of us who know God. That's what he's pointing out here. That's what he's pointing out here. All right. Now, let's just roll through this. Watch this. The first lesson here is really summarized in this 
phrase. Let me, let me, let, let's just point out what he does. Now watch the humility that is necessary for this kind of serving. And so when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Remember, this is a Jewish man, the Samaritan. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then put the man on his own donkey, took him to the inn, and told the innkeeper, take care of him. If anything more, I'll pay. Now watch this. The first thing that Jesus is teaching about serving is that, in fact, serving is loving. Right. Say it with me. Say, serving is loving. I mean, once you take that back home to your spouse, come on now, uh, leave here and go back home with the attitude, I learned today that serving is loving. So the next time I say to my spouse, I love you, the real question is, how have you served me recently? Children, teenagers, take this back home. Come on now, go back home and say, I learned today that the pastor says that to show love to my parents and my grandparents, that serving is. Go wash some dishes, kids. Come on. Make up some beds. Come on. Sweep some houses. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Because serving is loving. It's loving. Serving is loving. Now, if you take that understanding that Jesus is teaching and go back to that, that commandment, you get really what he's trying to say. Because remember, the Samaritan didn't know that guy. He had no relationship with that guy. But he loved him by serving him. And so you can go back and kind of reread what Jesus is saying. Watch this. Thou shalt serve the Lord thy God. Come on now. With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And serve your neighbor as yourself shall serve sir now he then defines what is a neighbor everybody shout what's a neighbor what's my neighbor I love the way I, as I think about this Jesus doesn't put any qualification on neighbors he doesn't say love and serve your your white neighbor that means you're supposed to love and serve uh, brown and black also. Come on now. Uh, he does not say uh, love and serve rich neighbors. That means he's challenged us to love and serve the poor. He does not say love and serve the neighbors who think politically like you. That means that we ought to love and serve folk in the other political party. You see, I, I, I'm talking about, see, all this diversity that's here, I'm talking about this is where we start practicing it right here. Folks sitting beside you fit these qualifications, these characteristics. He did not say uh, love uh, only the straight people. That means that, that we ought to be his followers. We ought to love folk who are gay and members of the uh, uh, LGBTQ community. Somebody say amen. amen. I love and serve. Come on now. He did not say simply love and serve 
Ah, the folk that's in your neighborhood that, that you go bowling with. No, no, no. That you comfortable with. No, no, no. He, Matthew 25, he goes on to say, no, I want you to love and serve your neighbor. That includes those who are homeless. That includes those who are hungry. That includes those who are sick. That includes those who are in jail. That includes those who are called the strangers among us. Translation, immigrants. All right? Now, don't confuse what I'm saying. Jesus is not saying that you have to change your political philosophy. He is not saying that you have to endorse lifestyle choices that is not consistent with biblical values or your values. He is not saying that uh, you should somehow uh, just forget about the rule of law. But what he is saying is that you have no legitimate excuse. Not someone's sexuality, not whether somebody is an immigrant, not their race, not how much money they have or don't, not whether they're Republican or Democrat. You have no legitimate excuse not to serve and love folk not like you. As a matter of fact, that is where the light of Jesus shines the brightest. This guy shooting and killing people out of a kind of hatred for other folk. Jesus says, I want y'all to show him. All those categories I talked about, they all right here. They all right here. It's not enough to say I love you. Jesus says, let me see some service. Serving others. Lastly, and you know this to be true, the Samaritan was of a different religion than the Jew. And I, I love this because what Jesus is teaching here, he doesn't say love and serve only folk who are Christians. He's saying, I want you to love and serve everybody, Hindu, Jews, Muslims. I know that's a highly politicized word, but uh, when you watch, let me tell you a quick story. On Thursday night, we were here, and it came across my screen what had happened in New Zealand. So we prayed about it here. Friday morning, I had meetings, so I didn't see the news. Pastor Tilton called me midway through the day and began to give me the details of the shooting. Two moths, the guy live streamed the shooting. I mean, come on. Somebody say evil. Come on. Somebody say hatred. Uh, children and, and grandparents and spouses just moved down. And so, because we believe that, that as Jesus followers, come on, we ought to act like Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus was here, what do you think he would do if he heard that these Muslims were, were gunned down? What do you think? I, 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 did you have any idea? I'll tell you what I think he would do. I think he'd show up there. So, 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 so we are his body. Come on now. He is here in us. So I, told, I asked Pastor Tilden to write a letter. We would figure out where the closest Muslim community is in Belmont. So I said, Pastor Tilden, would you write a letter? on behalf of myself and the elders and our congregation. 
expression how deeply saddened we are and that we grieve with them. And that like, he didn't put this, I'm going to phrase it this way. Like we stood with the Jewish community, we will stand with the Muslims. You know why? You know why? Because I, 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 I know the record. Do you know the record? The record was in South Carolina, there was some, in a black congregation, a fella just like this walked in and shot and killed people. Y'all remember that? In an AME congregation. And then, and, then a, and then a couple of years later, another fella just like this walked into a white Baptist church in Texas, shot and killed people. Come on now. And then in, in, uh, we just heard uh, about a year ago, the fella walked into... Uh, a tree of life synagogue shot and killed people. And then now we see somebody walk into a Muslim community shooting and killing people. So listen, we don't have the luxury of being artificially isolated. Come on, without love. Because an attack on one community of faith is ultimately attacked on everybody. We're in this thing together. So I, I said, then I asked our communication people, because we're trying to shape our communication, we're going to put it out on social media. That's how you let your light shine, see? We want more people where we stand. I said, check some of the other big churches that we benchmark against, see what they're saying. And I'm not talking down about them, because uh, people have to deal in their own context. So I'm preaching to y'all, y'all the church that I pastor, so... So, so I'm trying to teach you in this. But there were some messages out there that said, uh, pray for those who are grieving. Left out Muslim. So, and I, I, not judgment. People got political realities in their church. But thank God I passed the NBCC. And so when we go out, because we got everybody, we got people of Muslim descent in this church. We got folk of Muslim. We got we, the vice principal who invited me to come speak at Garfield and fought for me to come is Muslim. So I said, send a letter, and we're going to put out in our communication, we grieve with our Muslims, watch this, neighbors. Because Jesus said, Love and serve your what? All right, let me hustle this, get this to the end. All right, so serving is at the heart of growing as a Jesus follower. Serving others is at the heart of serving God. Can't talk about serving God without serving others. How can you say you love God who you've not seen and you can't love the folk that you see? And then there's another insight here. That serving others, watch this, transforms me. Transforms you. When you serve others, it changes you. My granduncle, who had a third grade education and a poor one at that was not able to help me when I got in high school. He was in his 60s. Came to math and science and English and history. He couldn't help me. Because of his age, uh, he definitely was not going to go out on the basketball court with me. 
shoot, teach me how to play basketball. That's what he couldn't help me with that. And yet, in reflection, he taught me one of the most powerful lessons that far exceeds the examples that I've made. He taught me the value of serving. He first started by, by, by teaching me to, I created this little, he had me do this lawnmower business. And I had an old raggedy lawnmower and I'd walk up and down the street pulling the lawnmower. People would say, oh, there go that berry boy. Pulling the lawnmower, cutting people's yards. I thought he was teaching me a work ethic. He was, but he was also teaching me something about serving. So I cut that elderly person's yard, then charge her for it, and cut the church yard, cut other people's yards. And then when I got to be 16 years old, he told me how to drive. And as a testament of his faith, he would allow me to drive him all over, all of the meetings he would go to, two and a half hours on Sundays. We, we spent all day Saturday. Good God, I know he was a man of faith because he'd hold on to the thing and then I'd be bouncing and touching it. He, he wouldn't say nothing out loud, but I know he was praying, y'all. I know. <laughs> He's teaching me to serve. And then it's amazing how things come back to you. Uh, uh, you know, now, uh, he used to lose his... Uh, Forget his Bible and his glasses and his handkerchief, and, and now I do it. Uh, but, 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 but I found myself, watch it, not because anybody told me, not because I was guilted into it, not because I had to. I just, I just found myself making sure that I had his Bible and his glasses and hanging to put it up. Anybody gave him anything, I'd take it out. I think they call it these, the, uh, we, the folk who do that here call it my vest and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 I, and one day I woke up and I realized how much joy it was for me to carry his Bible, how much joy it was for me to, to drive him from different places. How much joy it, 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 it was for me. Really, I didn't use this word, but, but to serve him, it just, it has expanded my heart. See, this is what I'm trying to get y'all to see. Come on, that when you start serving others and getting into their stories and finding a way to be a blessing, unconditional blessing, no strings attached, it has the, 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 the tendency to, to, to open up your heart. Come on now. And, and out of that place of service comes great. Greater joy and greater love. It changes you. I tell you, it changes you. It changes you. It changes you. Everybody shout serve. Watch this and here's the last point. But it also changes those you serve. Now I'm inside this text now, this, this John 5. And, 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 and let me just tell you the story and make the point. Then I've got to end this with this text. The other day I heard a story from one of our staff. I don't know who this person is. But they told me that there's a person who, who for years refused to go to church. But about three, four weeks ago, he showed up here. Came to church. And when they asked him. Why did you choose to come to church now? And why did you choose to come to NBCC? You know what his answer was? You know what his answer was? He said, 
I'm an employee at the Garfield Community School. I've been watching for the last two years as this community called New Beginnings, come on now, would serve unconditionally, would give extravagantly, and cared about the kids, whether they were Christians or Muslims or whatever. This church that showed up because they're Jesus followers, I thought I'd come see what this church is all about. Serving changes the people you serve. When I was uh, in Boston at GBIO, Great Boston Interfaith Organization, I was so suspicious of interfaith organizations. I had terrible experiences with them, forcing me, trying to get me to water down my faith. Couldn't talk about Jesus, this and that. So when they asked me to be one of the founding leaders, I had a hard, hard talk, negotiated hard. I said, listen. The only way I can be a founding leader of this organization is that I've got to be free to serve as a Jesus follower. So when I speak, I'm going to represent Jesus. When I pray, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. Uh, I am a witness. If I can't, they say, look, Reverend Hamilton, that's what they call me in Boston. You can do that as long as you let the Jew be the Jew, the Muslim be the Muslim, the Hindu be the Hindu. I said, that's fine. I wouldn't want it any other way. He said, well, why? Because I want the Hindu and the Muslim and the Jew, when they're working with me, I want them to know they're working with a Jesus follower. And when we start serving these communities across all these diversities, I, I want them to know it's a Jesus follower. Come on now, serving them. That's where the real life and the real witness that comes out of my life and your life and this church's life, we are Jesus followers. And do you know... There were tons of people who, by the end of all of it, were totally transformed in their attitude. Even if they didn't believe in Jesus, they respected Jesus in a whole nother way. That's your task. That's our task. Be a light. You don't have to be perfect in all your life. Just figure out how to serve. Shall serve. Look at here. As we'll finish it, John 5. I love this. Listen, watch some observations here. One of the men lying there had been sick. Shout sick. Stop for a minute. You know that fellow who shot those people? He was sick. He wasn't physically sick. But he was sick in his heart. And he represents an entire community of people who are sick in their hearts. And we, we, our relationships go all the way. We know some of these people. Now let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I've heard people who told me, who tell me, I've seen it on Facebook. As a matter of fact, I've seen some of the members of this church on Facebook talk about how they hate our current president, President Trump. And I just want to warn you, hate is a strong language. Hate is poisonous. I just, I just need you to understand that if there's hate in your heart, you're sick. You may not be as sick as this person who shot these folk up, but you're on the same road. Because hatred transforms 
its, its host into instruments of evil. Sick. This guy was sick. Watch this. He had been sick for 38 years. And watch the text. He doesn't see Jesus. The text says Jesus saw him. He doesn't come to Jesus. The text says Jesus comes to him. That, that's how we're supposed to do, y'all. Come on, come on. We're supposed to show up around folk who, who are sick and start, and start serving them in a way that is transformative and healing. He shows up with them. Watch it. And then, and then the conversation. I love the conversation, y'all. Jesus modeling for us. He says, do you want to be well? Well, he, the man says, well, every time the water bubbles, because the tradition was that the angel would come once a year and trouble the water, and the first one to step in would be healed. And so the guy said, well, every time it's troubled, somebody will step in before me. And I can almost hear Jesus say, I didn't ask you all that. I asked you, do you want to be well? And I, I, I can hear, you know, they just give us a snippet of the conversation. But I know the guy said, well, that doesn't seem to make sense to me because for 38 years, I've been unable to walk. For 38 years, I've been sick. For 38 years, I've been down on this mat. For 38 years, you're, you're talking about impossibilities, sir. I don't know who you are. You're talking about improbabilities, sir. I've never met you, but, but you're talking about something that just doesn't make sense, sir. And, 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 and I can just hear Jesus say, well, obviously you don't know who I am because, because before there was an am, I am. Come on now. Stepped out on nothing, made everything. And, and here's what he was really asking him. Do you want to be well? Here's what he was really asking him. How hungry are you? How hungry are you? How hungry are you? And then the text says he told him, stand up. Shout, stand up. Come on. He said, rise up. Come on, rise up. Rise up. Now watch this. And I got to end here. Y'all get me excited. Watch it. Watch it. He said, he said stand up. Verse 8. And then take up your mat and walk. Why did he tell him, take up his mat? Boy, y'all ask inquisitive questions. You see, the mat was the place where he had been laying. It was the place where he had become comfortable in his brokenness, in his sickness. That was his laying place, y'all. They listen. Come on. Now, what's your mat? What's your mat? What's your mat? How, how, how many of you become comfortable in a place of sin? How many of you become comfortable in a place of brokenness? How many of you become comfortable with nasty attitudes? How many of you become comfortable, come on now, in, in how we mistreat other folk? How many of you are lying in a mat? You've been there for a while. Jesus says, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I, I, I want you to rise up. Shout, rise up. I want you to rise up, he says that. And, 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 and my good God Almighty. And, 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 and so when the guy got up, he said, and take your mat. Why am I going to take my cross? I want you to take the mat. That's your testimony that says I used to be, but I'm not no more. Come on. I was like that, but I'm different now. I met somebody. Shall rise up. I got to stop there. I'm out of town. Give God a hand, praise. Say hallelujah. Say glory.